0: Welcome to Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic, where we promote integration and collaboration. Whether you are just starting your practice or you are ready to push the profession forward, we aim to provide you all the tools necessary to form relationships and educate your community. After all, spines of all sizes deserve to be adjusted. Welcome to our podcast, and thanks for listening. Why does it... Three... Hey guys, this is Dr. Katie here with Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic, and I have an exciting guest today. This is Dr. Jordan Whitley. He's in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and he is an awesome animal chiropractor, and I'm so grateful that he's taken some time out of his busy schedule to talk on our podcast today. Thank you so much for being here.
1: of course thanks for having me
0: yeah absolutely so uh dr jordan would you mind explaining a little bit more about you for those of you who don't know you which would be kind of hard right now based upon your exposure (laughs) uh, but just explain a little bit more about yourself and uh, your practice
1: oh yeah uh so i uh i graduated from oklahoma state university up here in oklahoma Uh, then i went off to parker um, in dallas and i realized that i wanted to work on animals as well Uh, it was one of those things i realized if i can work on grandma grandpa all the kids, you know, mom and dad, I should be able to work on their family pet as well. I say that right now in my, my dog's sitting next to me in my office. Um, so yeah, so I do that. I work on humans and animals. I have two practices. Um, I've worked as a, uh, a temp. I've worked as an associate. I've worked as an independent contractor and then I, I created my own. Um, we work on animals all over the state and then we work on exotics. Uh, mostly, um, the most random, the better, uh, work with the zoo. Um, Previously, we've worked with uh, UCO, you know, palm squads. We've worked with uh, the OKC Ballet, um, several gymnast studios around here. Um, Just pretty much do anything and everything we can. So
0: basically what he's saying is he's a celebrity. (laughs) and He's being (laughs) humble. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: Uh, So we'll just kind of, uh, I guess, jump to, you already mentioned it. We'll just kind of jump to the interesting part you see a lot of exotics, which is not something that a lot of animal chiropractors do. I mean, for the mm-hmm. most part, um, we see like your horses, dogs, and cats. Those are your your family animals, if you will. Mm-hmm. But uh, Dr. Jordan here has suggested zebras, tigers, I think a bear, mm-hmm. a monkey, like everything. So tell us a little bit more about that, how you establish that connection and Um, you know, what are some special considerations for working on that type of animal?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, so (laughs) exotics were, I don't know. I I just thought that, um, I can talk to people through animal chiropractic about just regular chiropractic for their health. So I was thinking, what's the best way to do that? Um, and I started thinking about all these exotic animals that don't ever get, um, don't ever get care. And so I was thinking, how do I go about doing that? So, um, (laughs) Hashtag Tiger King. Um, oh gosh, don't,
0: don't even bring that on of my podcast. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know, exactly. No, but, but but working on exotics, like you do have to be careful. That is something, you know, talking about, um, you know, some of the considerations, that's something you have to consider is those animals Absolutely. do need care, but your safety is also important. So yeah. we'll get into that. But yeah, so um, it was one of those things I realized that if I'm talking to somebody about uh, human chiropractic, they're like, okay, that's interesting. I, I talked to them about babies and they're like, okay, okay, I see where you're going. If I talk to them about animal stuff, they're like, hold up, wait a minute. If an animal needs chiropractic care, then I should probably get chiropractic care as well. And so it was this great intermixing and, and a really great platform for education.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: um, basically what I did is I, uh, I went to the local uh, osteology museum, which is up in Moore, Oklahoma, which if anybody's in Texas or in the Oklahoma area, I would definitely, I would highly suggest you go in there. It's phenomenal. It get spines of all different kinds of animals. You can see what you're really going to be working on. Um, and then I took that information, and um, you know, I started working on a couple different random things. And anytime I could get my hands on something that most people wouldn't think to adjust, I would. So I think one of my first animals I ever worked on, exotic wise, was a snake. And so it's one giant spine. So I was like, yeah. if I can do this, then this may lead me into being able to work on really really cool animals.
0: So was that uh, the first one? Did like one of your patients bring in their snake, or
1: no? Actually, I think if I remember right, because uh, it's been so long, and so there's so many different snakes and lizards and stuff that i've worked on through the past it was i believe i was at my buddy's house and um he was like hey my snake is something wrong can you check it out And i was like yeah sure and so i worked on it first uh or, or i checked it out and then worked on it and so i think that was the very first exotic i ever did um and then it, it like graduated up where i was like oh if i can work on this i can work on a lizard and so i worked on a bearded dragon and then um you know after i knew it like i had kangaroos in my office quatamundi's uh, kinkachus, lemurs, baby monkeys, all sorts of things in my office. Um, but I work with the zoo as well. And so to get around doing that, one, I made sure I was insured because, yeah. uh, what we do, you know, you want to make sure you're insured, especially if you're walking in somewhere and you're like, hi, I'd like to touch your hundred thousand dollar animal. I'd like to touch your $3 million animal. Yeah. yeah you, you definitely want to make sure that you have that in- insurance coverage. So I made sure I was, you know, insurance covered. Uh, and then I made sure I knew what I was talking about. Um, made sure I got really, really educated on the different kinds of animals I could potentially work on. And then I went to the zoo and I said, hi, I'm the exotic animal chiropractor. We need to have a chat about animal chiropractic. And uh, that, I mean, that's basically what I did. And um, I I just owned it, went in there and told them what I saw. We looked over some x-rays. The very first set of exotic animal x-rays I ever looked at was, was a, uh, it was a uh, silverback gorilla. And whenever I checked out those x-rays, I thought they were playing a joke on me. And they're like, here, look at these x-rays. And I was like, that's a human x-ray. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, this is one of our silverbacks. Um, and it was, it was insane. It looked exactly like a human x-ray. So, um, yeah, so I looked at that and just started talking to them and, and realizing that or made them realize that we are, are searching for the same thing, that there is a, a goal, uh, that we're both trying to reach and that's the health and safety of the animals. Yeah. And so, um, that kind of led me into being able to work with them a little bit more and more and more, and to the point where um, I get to work on a bear first, and then I worked on a chimpanzee, and then I worked on a lion um, for the zoo. Currently, um, I've worked on zebras, and uh, recently, <laughs> um, I think since the last time we spoke, I've worked on a, um, I've, I've slightly worked on a porcupine um I, worked
0: I don't
1: know on, how you did that <laughs> oh so, yeah, it was it was stupid um <laughs> I, I worked on its neck and that was it you can't do anything any lower than yeah. that because you can but i think it's stupid because it's it's like putting your hand into a cactus yep. and <laughs> you try not to scare the cactus because it's going to poke you yep.
0: um yep. and at the
1: same time i had quills going through my jacket and in my pants i mean it was just awful Oh uh, and then he peed on me. So I mean,
0: was, so let's let's talk a little bit more about handlers because I'm sure you had to have a special set of handlers to work with you. Because if I'm being mm-hmm. perfectly honest, I do most of my handling myself, and that's probably right. not in my better interest. Right. Just because, um, you know, right now I'm not at a place where I can employ anyone. But if I'm being honest, moving forward into the future, I'm probably going to have someone to keep me safe, and I'm sure right. that there are many people that you work with that are keeping you safe, working with these exotics. Can you speak more to that?
1: Yeah, for sure. So depending on the exotics we're working on, so some of the exotics are, are, you know, they're uh, friendly exotic type animals that I'm not really worried about. Um, You know, we work on the, um, you know, the kangaroo, stuff like that. I don't really need a handler for that. Things that are handled a lot. Right, and so whenever I work on, um, so a lot of the stuff at the zoo is gonna be under, um, so I'm not necessarily worried too much about that. Um, They've already taken care of that, so there's no risk to me Mm -hmm. in that area. But working on some of these other animals, like the porcupine,
0: the,
1: the guy that had, that owns it was right there with me to be able to, if I got into a bind, be able to shift and move and take care of the animal. Uh, I also worked on his bear cat, which is basically a giant bear cat thing. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy cool, but he, he was there the entire time to make sure that um, the animal was distracted. The animal was being fed at the same time um, you know, that we were working and, and working hand in hand with that to make sure that we were safe and the animal was safe. Um, and then there was, um, a, um, let's see. I've worked with quite a few different exotics that like we needed a handler by just, yeah, my my dog's running back and forth. So I, I I get it. Um, there's, uh, there are quite a few different, uh, animals that are, um, that will kill you. (laughs) Say it like that. I've worked on a lot of, uh, canine, um, on units for for the police department, and so like a um, a uh, Belgian Malinois, for example, we had one come in that was uh, originally trained to do a ton of protection work and all that, but the the animal was trained improperly and became extremely aggressive and wouldn't let anybody near, like the couch, um, the bed. It started taking over rooms. It started taking over parts of the house. It wouldn't let the owner back into that area. So it was one of those things. That whenever this new trainer got it she was trying to work on him, but he was in a ton of pain, which is why he was a jackass. And so um, she, she was having to handle him on a choke chain um, because he, he had the capacity and the ability to kill somebody. So I made that first adjustment and he turned on me and it was, I've never seen teeth that close to my face. Um, yeah. And normally we would take every precaution to make sure we're safe. It was so fast that there was no way I could have been protected in that, in that situation. And if I didn't have her, sitting there knowing what to do and knowing reactions and having great reaction time, I probably wouldn't be here right now. And if I was, if I was, I wouldn't be able to talk. I mean, it was,
0: you're lucky to have your face.
1: Exactly. So he is, um, he did better. I mean, so, I mean, we muzzled him after that. We, I mean, we did so much to him, um, to help with that I mean, we did, uh, and I don't, I don't know how y'all feel about CBD and all that stuff. So I won't get into that, but the owner did put him on CBD to chill him out a little bit first. Um, and then we put him on a or we had him muzzled. And then after that, he was totally fine. Um, he still didn't like me, but he was okay with me adjusting him. Uh, he started getting out of pain, and then now he works for, for Border Patrol.
0: That's <laughs> so awesome. Well, that's a good job for him. I find yeah. – um, you know, I tell animal owners this all the time, and, you know, this is something you have to just live it in order to believe it. But some of your – very aggressive animals that are in a lot of pain probably about visit like five they start to change and they start to associate you with okay this hurts during but it feels better after right so they're usually very excited for their treatment even though the during part they're not so friendly about it but afterwards they come back they give you love and they definitely they know and I I don't know what part of them knows but um, you know, they don't have a frontal brain like we do, so they can't turn off and inhibit the limbic brain response, which is trying to bite your face off. Um, but they definitely do get the feel good hormones that people do from the adjustment.
1: Oh, for sure. Uh, we have, I mean, we definitely see that more in horses than anything else. Um, I work, I I see a lot of dogs here. Um, and I don't know specifically with, with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, we have a lot of dogs that come over from like blue pearl, um, animal hospital so they, it's like last resort type stuff The person comes in their dog is paralyzed or or, or paralyzed or, or whatever half the time we notice that it, the animal is not paralyzed they are in a lot of pain so they don't want to move but they have full feeling to their legs if i do something they can move them so it's not full paralyzed or par- paralysis but um we have a lot of those that come in and we have to see them so consecutively that it eventually gets to the point where some of the animals are a little um a little upset with you for a little while. And then they start realizing that you're helping them. But horses, I mean, is immediate response. You have a horse that's a jerk, you start working on them and then they start licking and chewing. And they're like, okay, you're here to help me. And then they'll actually come up to you and be like, okay, I've got the spot right here. Can you get that too? Um, (laughs) That's what I love about
0: horses. If I could work on one species, it would be horses because yes, they're dangerous, but they automatically know you're there to help.
1: The The only horse type animal that I've had that did not feel that way was a zebra zebras really? were jerks the entire time yeah i would <laughs> if you can do it great um it's one of those like it didn't matter how good i made him list. feel yeah he, he would it, i mean i made him feel great and he was like oh yeah licking and chewing like normal and then came up and tried to buck and kick me so i was oh, like, like he's a just a jerk. yeah they're just they're just mean um but i mean yeah definitely if you can get it, if you can do it do it yeah <laughs> it's a blast and, and you get to learn something new because you have to learn how to change what you're doing to be able to help this animal in the way you best way you can in the, in the safest way you can.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: I would definitely recommend if you can go work for or work with a sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Those animals are coming in. They are the most hurt animals you're ever going to see. They are, um, they are scared of people. They've been abused or they've, you know, something has happened. So you have to find ways to work around and work with these animals to not only give them love and compassion One, it will help slow you down. It'll make you be compassionate because you have to be compassionate because if you're not, Um, you're not gonna be able to work on this animal Um, but it'll help change the way you adjust and it'll help give you a ton of practice on animals that are the hardest things to work on Mm -hmm. you don't have the typical like whenever you and I were in class you know it's like okay this horse is asleep we're gonna go ahead and adjust it now
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, yeah I tell people during the program like this is ideal like frosting on a cupcake kind of horse you're gonna work on like in real world what I do is really not that pretty like there's there's sweat, there's tears, sometimes there's blood like yeah. Yeah, <laughs> my technique sure. is not always beautiful like it was on the ABCA exam. Oh, exactly.
1: Um, I do yeah. as close
0: as I can but it doesn't always happen that way. Oh yeah, um, for
1: sure. Whenever you got five blocks high working on a perchron or something I mean it's, Oh my gosh. you, you have to, shorter you have to, than
0: you too, so yeah. Oh, I
1: know. <laughs> it's you have to uh it, you, I mean it's been insane. I've had two blocks and then um you know, we've had to make shift adjustments. I mean, and it works but um the other thing is, like, not only safety to the animal, but, like, safety to yourself and adjusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, adjusting horses can be, I mean, I have actually hurt myself two or three times uh, where I remember, like, I adjusted and I was like,
0: boom. Oh, Shouldn't have done man, that. get work on tomorrow. Yeah,
1: it was just, <laughs> it was terrible. Um, but it was me making a stupid decision, uh, not thinking about where my footing was, not thinking about, because I was in a rush or a hurry, or it was one time I was actually teaching. Uh, so I was actually doing a, a demonstration for some students at OSU, and I <laughs> I was like, okay, and you do this, and I did it, and I was like, and you, you don't do it like I just did, demonstration time, you know, and, um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, we really have to watch ourselves, especially, you know, whenever we're working around animals that can hurt you. So, I, I
0: think people don't think about that. You know, you adjust people all day, and then they ask you, well, do you get adjusted too? Uh, you're a chiropractor surely you've never had pain right and it's no I actually I am a chiropractor because I do have pain like I'm yeah. a work in progress too so, uh,
1: yeah. daily yeah. daily have pain daily uh, <laughs> daily, which is why I'm so glad that uh Kendra will be here um,
0: I know I know I'm week, really excited I'm,
1: for you for, yeah I, she adjusted me the other day I'm like I get adjusted yes like I'm excited <laughs> um
0: it's important if you take care of others that you take care of yourself. And sure. I, I think that's what people should take away from this. Um, because you know, we live to serve and we forget about ourselves sometimes because we're just go, go, go all the time. Um, for sure. so I'm happy you're making time for that now. Um, I'm just going to try and get back to these questions. We hey, you're on good. Tangent, like I knew we you're were good. going to, um, Tell us a little bit more about how you structure your practice, because you see both animals and humans. Mm-hmm. What does the balance between that look like, and what does the, the flow look like, if you will? Do you have certain days where you see animals, and certain days you see humans? You said you see some of them in your office as yeah. well. So,
1: yeah, like? so when I first did it, it was uh, I had no structure to it at all, which was terrible for me. Um, and and so whenever I first started, it was basically I'd see humans, I'd see animals at the same time. Well, now I've got dogs in the office at the same time I have people coming in and then a person brings a cat in and then this person brings a rooster in. Like it was just, it was insane. And, uh, so it also, it also took up more time because working on my animal patients takes longer than working on my human patients because my people aren't going to bite me if I do something wrong. So, um, it it just, it, it was really bad flow. It didn't work well together. My employees were having clean up hair like three or four times a day rather than once or twice um or constantly back and forth um and then it eats up you know equipment eats up personal time and all that so what i do now is um i do see animals on regular days because sometimes i do need to see the animal more than once a a week because of whatever situation is going on so i'll set them up on um well, basically any days I'm in the office. So on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I'm in my, Henness- or my Edmond office. On Tuesday, I'm in my, my other satellite office in Hennessy. So on Tuesdays, I see animals throughout the entire day because yeah, it's, just, it's small, small town, USA farm town. And so um, I'll see people and I'll see animals and they'll wait and I'll have cow manure on me and I'll go work on them more people. Nobody cares. But here in Edmond, it's completely different. And so I have a nicer office here. And what I do is I try to see people or I'll see dogs at nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, at um, so we close at lunch at one o 'clock, so we try to see them at like twelve forty five and then we open back up at two thirty so i 'll see animals at like two thirty and then um, I'll see animals at uh, roughly five fifteen right before we close at five thirty and what that does is it pushes the animals to the far brinks of each one of our our time slots so that I can see those animals, but they're not taking up the time slots that humans anim- or human animals that humans would normally take up, but it also gives us time to clean everything. Um, the way I've set it up here is instead of having an individual adjusting room for animals, we have concrete floors. And so what I do is I set everybody up into the uh, the waiting area. I do that for a couple different reasons. Um, the the waiting area is larger and uh, it's, it's the size of a normal room. And so the animal is in there and they don't feel like they're crowded. It doesn't feel like I'm coming to them. It feels like we're all in there just hanging out. And so it makes a different dynamic. And so I'm less likely to get bit because the animal's not freaking out. Like if I put them on a vet table. Um, then what I do is, um, I, I make sure that I'm, I'm around the animal, you know, uh, getting to know them and all that fun stuff. But, um, I'll get into that here in a second. But what that does is it also makes it to where I'm able to clean up that area really, really efficiently, uh, because they are away from the people. If I do have somebody come in, the people are coming in behind me and they're going to the rooms behind me. They don't ever have to walk into that, that reception area where that animal might be. So it protects them as well. Um, and then we do have to clean I mean, we've got air purifiers in there that are, that are killing off allergens that might be floating through the air um, because that, that hair can get everywhere. And if somebody is allergenic or has an allergy to it, you know, it can be an issue. Um, so we try to do that. And then as soon as those people leave, we are cleaning up the whole area. So we have to do a quick sweep, um, clean all that up. And then I actually have a Roomba that runs back and forth, like while we're at lunch, picking up any stray hair that might be laying around. Um, But anyway, getting back to like, it kind of goes back into the safety thing. So having an open adjusting area, most people don't think about that, but if you can adjust an an animal outside or in an open area, what it does is it prevents them from freaking out as much. And so they have a better understanding of your office. They have a, um, basically they don't fear your office as much. Um, And then what I try to do is I try to make everything like I'm playing with them, like a game. So I'll play with them, especially dogs that I know are younger. They're not gonna sit still for me to get that perfect posiology adjustment. And so what I'm doing is I'm finding that joint that needs to move. And as I'm playing with them and getting playing with them are a little rough and i will make the adjustment as we're playing. So then they never know what's going on and they think that I'm just playing with them. So every time they come in, Hey, I get to play with that guy in the black scrubs mm-hmm. every time I come here, rather than it be coming in and me, you know, potentially putting them in pain. Um, and then, um, you know, I'll try to do different things here and there like that, that are, that are a little more safety conscious uh, also helps them out, especially if they're scared um, I'll set them in certain parts of the room or, um, activator, um, activator has been great for animals with hot, low backs. It's also a safety thing. Um, I mean, I do most of my stuff manually, but I do have the activator and I do use it interchangeably with my adjustments, but the activator is a great tool where I can step away from the, from the animal. I don't have to get all up on them where I'm potentially going to get bit, especially a dog that is okay, we're single handlers, right? We we don't have anybody else help, helping us. And so it's like, please hold your dog's head so they don't snap at me. And the person's just sitting there barely holding a leash. I love you. I love you. You're okay. I love you. It's like, <laughs> oh crap. Like, yeah. like I'm going to get bit. So you, you, I mean, you can use activator and you can, you can step back, step your body to the side. Their head is, you know, more towards your back end. And then you can take a slight tissue pull, adjust and step back, adjust and step back. And you never have a chance of getting yeah. bit. Um, a lot
0: of reactive patients where they don't like a lot of touch. So the whole hugging bear hugging may, it's basically yeah. what a predator would do. They grab onto them from behind right. usually, right. And they would, you know, bite their back, which is basically what we're doing. So I have several patients where, you know, I choose activator as well, even though it makes a super scary clicky noise, right. um, I'd rather click, click, click and be done with it than have to. Right wrestle them and make it a super painful and scary experience so i'm really happy that you mentioned
1: that as well yeah totally agree um there are spots that you're going to find if you can if you can do a quick assessment of the entire spine and have it in your mind okay this spot this spot this spot i know exactly where these are and then as you're playing with them you just take a light tissue pull on that area wrap your tissue pull up get that area adjust and then step back and be like oh my gosh and what i do too is i'll take the activator and after i make an adjustment and they're like what was that i'll take the activator and and i'll put it to their face i'm like look And so then they're like smelling it and they'll adjust and then I'll let them smell it again. Mm -hmm. Or I'll let them, like I've had them where they'll chew on the end of it, whatever. But it's, it's the idea that I'm letting them go. This is what's doing that noise. Not me, this thing. So it's not necessarily, they're going to have some sort of fear associated with something. And so if I make that click and you get to smell this thing, it's not a click fear. What it was that click fear. I can smell something. Oh, what is that? You know, rather than it being a constant, scary situation
0: yeah.
1: um, that has helped me a lot with um some of my more timid animals um the the biggest thing that i really i would say a lot of animals don't freak out until the owner freaks out so i make sure the educational aspect of that's you know pretty good so uh, what i say to every person is pretty much the same thing i ask them have you been to a chiropractor before yes or no i say great you have or you haven't doesn't matter mm-hmm. what i'm going to do is basically what we would do with you and so i'm relating this back to them as human chiropractic as well oh you can work on people too Um, basically I'm checking the spine for areas of misalignment. I'm going to find those areas and they may be tender. Now, if I worked on you, you'd say, ow, if I hit a tender spot, your animal is going to bark, bite, yelp. Um, those are normal things that happen whenever we find tender spots on your animal. Okay, cool. So then whenever I do it, they're less likely to go, oh my gosh, what did you just do or freak out? And that freaks the dog out and that energy freaks the animal out. Um, I've tried it both ways and telling them that little snippet has saved me um, countless times of potentially being bit or, um, the owner freaking out or thinking that I did something that I didn't do. Oh my gosh, this person just hurt my animal. No, we didn't. And if I would have taken the time to really explain that, then you wouldn't have you wouldn't have freaked out.
0: Yeah, I'm really uh, happy you brought that up because I think a lot of owners, especially if they haven't been adjusted themselves before, which happens a lot, you know, their pet has mm-hmm. an acute episode and they're like, uh, last ditch effort. Right. Um, right. so you bring them to you and the best thing you can do before you even touch a pet is say what you just said, look, they can't say "ow." This is how they say "ow." So it's very important that when I start mashing around on stuff, for lack of a better word, that you know this. So that way you're not surprised because animals do feed off our energy. Um, and the more nervous and timid the owner is about what you're doing, the worse it's going to be, especially if oh, yeah. you have a reactive animal there. Um and, and that too, you know, you got to, uh, it's a process, of course. And you got to say like, it may not be like this every time, um, but usually the first couple treatments, they're very, very sore. So I, I do mention that they're going to have some soreness after as well, because I think right. owners think, you know, you just once and it's done, you know, you never have right. to do treatment again, um, but that's not the case. Uh, sometimes you have to wrestle the first couple treatments in, in order to get the, the true benefit.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, the, uh, the biggest thing I see is is a lot of animals that come in really, really bad. Um, they don't associate if they're sore, they associate with like, okay, I'm sore. Why am I sore? You know, it's kind of like a workout. You're going to be sore to an extent. Well, if they see their animal doesn't want to get up and move right after the adjustment or, or, you know, a day later or whatever, they're like immediately upset or freaking out. And so your animal may be sore. There is a chance this is going to look like it's getting a little bit worse before it gets better. Your animal's going to be sore tomorrow. They may not want to get up. And this is another thing i talk to people about. Um, especially if we have an animal that comes in that looks like it's paralyzed or if it's doing really, really bad. Um, I check extremities. I'll check for pain response. I'll check to see, like I'll pull on the, the little hair underneath the toes. I'll pull on that a little bit to see what the reaction is. If they're actually pulling back and I see that they actually do have a reaction, I'm going great. Your animal's not paralyzed. Your animal is lazy. And I mean that in the most respective way possible. Like your animal is in pain and they're going, you know what? It hurts me too much to stand up. I'm just going to go to the bathroom right here and you're going to clean it up. And so they're like, they, they don't care. They're, they're, they're fine. But they're, um, well, they're just lazy. Um, but what Learned we can do?
0: Helplessness. is helplessness.
1: They're they are, yeah, yeah. They're Learned helpless. They're helpless, and they're just like, I'm in pain. This sucks. But um, we can we can work on that animal and get them better. But then we do see the other animals that are, you know, we have had the animals that were paralyzed, and I've, to the to today, I've only had maybe two or three that we adjusted, and they just hit a plateau, and we're not going to get any better. Um, and one's wheelchair bound. One of them, uh, sadly, I think the owners went ahead and decided to euthanize it. Um, for the dog was like thirty pounds overweight, and it was like a Shih Tzu. It was it was insane. Um, but uh, I mean, there were all these different different situations. But um, I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> uh, what was I trying to say? Oh, um, basically, the, the animal can get worse before it gets better. So it looks like the animal is in in a lot of pain, and it looks like they're a lot worse. But it's really like a sore period. It's a resting period. It is a re rehabilitation uh, recouping period. And then like two days later, they're totally fine. And they're even better. Um, I, I definitely preface that because if you don't tell a patient that, that their animal may be worse, um, and then it is worse. And you didn't tell them that it's no different than talking to a human and being like, you're going to be sore tomorrow. Cause if you don't, all they're thinking is now I hurt worse than I ever did. Yeah. Um, and I preface it like your animal's going to be sore. Like it's going to happen. And if it doesn't great, but if it does, at least I prepared them. So yeah.
0: So I hate to ask me worst case scenario, but, you know, actually people, they, they judge a treatment's effectiveness by how much better you get. So I think you have to set their expectations. And I'm really happy that we're, we're, uh, diverting off to owner education and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, talking about the human, because I I went into animal chiropractic thinking, you know, I wouldn't have to deal with people, but I actually have to deal with more people. I want to say working on animals, Um, whether it be the, the horse trainer. Or the owner, or you yeah. know, whoever else is involved, like the vet. You know, it's it's actually three times the people that you have to get involved with the care. So tell us a little bit more about those considerations because you work with special people. I'm sure there's some uh, zoo trainers that you work with, some handlers, mm-hmm. some uh, horse trainers, and the owner. All of that involved. Right. So what are special considerations uh, with that that you have been taking as well?
1: So I have worked. I have worked with. Um... I've Yeah, I've worked with a wide variety of people. And I say that in, I mean, I try to respect people as much as possible. I've had some Watties. interesting people come in. Well, I had a lady, she um, she picked all the dog hair off the ground in the entire office, and then she would put it in her bra. And then she was, I mean, off of, she was picking it off of me as I was trying to walk down the hall. She'd come up behind me and like, anyway.
0: All I'm going to um, say is you live in Oklahoma.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, this lady made, she makes yarmulkes out of dog hair. Oh,
0: okay, well, so that explains it. It was interesting. Totally normal. But,
1: but yeah. So but I mean these animals are their babies. And so um I try to make sure that education uh education is key um especially whenever I'm working you're working on a million dollar animal. You want to make sure that these people know exactly what you're doing at all times. Um so I whenever I'm talking to a patient um I make sure that I made I make sure that they understand that the problem is not a problem that I have created nor is it a problem that I'm going to completely fix. Um, it's a problem that was created by the dog and, or the, animal, whatever animal it is, uh, potentially by that or by some sort of trauma or whatever. But whenever some somebody brings them in, I ask them how long they've been like this. And as soon as I hear my animal's been like this for six weeks, as soon as I hear it's been like this for six months, nine months, a year, a year and a half. I'm like, why did you wait so long? And, and I, and I preface that like, I say it respectfully, but I'm like, you, did you take the animal to vet? Well, no, we thought it'd get better. How long ago did, was that? Well, about a year and a half ago. Okay, well, obviously after a while, you noticed the animal was upset and was hurting. So this is something that could have been fixed a lot faster, but you decided to wait. Now it's going to take longer and that's your fault. But I, I obviously I say it the nicest way possible, but I make them know by the, my, my tone and everything else, like this is a problem that's going to be a while, but it's not the animal's fault now, it's your fault.
0: Um, I think it's about being an advocate for the animal because they can't speak for themselves. You almost have to hold the owner more accountable because they're in charge of their care.
1: Exactly. And I do the same thing with people uh, with their care to an extent. I say this is a problem that was created a long time ago. and, And this is something like you had a problem and then you decided to go and lift weights or you had a problem and you decided to go run a marathon and you made it worse. You made it worse. Um, one that helps in patient education. So it kind of, it kind of relates back to patient education and business because as a business owner, you want to make sure that one, this animal is getting the best care possible, but you also want to make sure that this person is a repeat customer. Um, it's not really customer. I hate saying that because they're not customers. You're client. taking care of it. Yeah. Client basically. And so, You want to make sure that these people are are getting the best care possible, but they also understand that there is a problem that is an actual problem that needs to be corrected over time. And because they waited so long, this is going to take a lot longer than it should have taken, but they waited. Now I'm going to be seeing you three times a week. I'm going to be seeing you four times a week or whatever the animal needs um, because of a problem that could have been fixed a lot sooner. Uh, and again, say this in the most respectful way possible, but that is, that's the thing I try to hit home fastest because what they say is, well, you should have fixed it in a day. You've left your animal like this for nine months. I'm not going to fix it in a day.
0: So speaking of that, do you put them on treatment plans then most of your animal patients? Because I do, I don't say, I'll just see you whenever I say, I want to see them this much at this frequency in order to make sure that there's complete transparency. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, every animal is different. Oh, excuse me. Sorry.
0: That's Okay.
1: Late nights, you
0: know. Moving. <laughs>
1: um, so um, every animal is different, and so um, I, I personally don't set them on treatment plans because they come into my office. It's it's one more thing that my staff have to deal with, um, and that sounds bad. What we do, I mean, I will say I'm going to see them every day this week. I'm going to see them three times a week. I'm going to see them. I'm going to see you on Tuesday. I'm going to see you on Wednesday. Each person is different, or each animal is different, and they're going to get better faster, obviously, with um, a more consistent care plan. Well, what we do in my office specifically is I figure out when they're going to come in. I say, "Hey, look, your animal is going to be coming in quite a bit. Um, I want you to go ahead and talk to our front staff about um, financial options or or whatever." And so we'll do like a package or something where they'll do like four adjustments or whatever And so doing a full blown treatment plan. My my main um, business is not in animals; it's in people. So most of my treatment plan stuff is directed towards them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and every animal is different. And we have people now. We have people come from you know texas and kansas and i mean just everywhere um we have well, people that's because
0: you're famous <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. no what i'm about to tell you is because of that no okay. um, so we actually got uh, the new york police department got a hold of us when they oh, said right. we can't find a good animal car around here and all the vets suck no offense if anybody's listening that's just what they told me um and i'd be happy to refer um to them but anyway they were like we're gonna try to get most of our dogs on a plane and bring them to oklahoma <laughs> so you can work on them
0: from plane. new york
1: from new york Wow, and that's not the that's not the first call we've gotten like that. So um, I think it's I mean I think it's really really cool. Well, in love New York, you to,
0: have to be a vet in order to adjust an animal. So yeah,
1: that's that's one. Yeah, so they the, like most of the laws. We really, I does ABCA have on their thing like every state's laws. We, we really need something like that because I had to call up to different states.
0: I know. I know uh, it's, there is one resource, but it's clear as mud. So it's ever changing. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So um, if we could get basic stuff like that across the board, I think it'd be awesome. Yes Um, or
0: no would be great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) what I'm hoping for is I'm hoping for a white house call and then I'm going to be like, Hey, Mr. President, I think that we should be able to have one license that goes across all states. What do you think?
0: Does Trump have a dog? Because that would be fantastic.
1: If he does, that's a goal.
0: There you go.
1: Like I've got goals like adjustment in space. Um,
0: Uh, So anyway, let's talk (laughs) a little bit more about how you did become famous, quote unquote. Uh, Because I feel like you kind of dropped yourself into it almost. Um I've, both you and I are very transparent about what we do on social media, mm-hmm. and even you more so. So tell us a little bit more about that one thing that just changed everything about your practice.
1: Yeah, so um <clears throat> first of my my desire was completely education. so mm-hmm. i wanted I wanted to <clears throat> sorry,
0: okay. I wanted
1: to have a uh, a platform where I could talk to people about about chiropractic, human and animal on a massive scale. Um, I, I totally appreciate and respect the whole "I want to change the world one spine at a time" thing, and I'm like, that's cool for you. For me, I want to be up on a podium, blasting the masses about it. Uh, this is my personality. So um, I had gotten a hold of things like, I mean, like I had talked to the zoo. I've talked, I and mean, we've done stuff with news and all that stuff. But we we wanted to do something that was like, I was like Ellen show. That's a goal. Um, and so that is what I was striving for. It was like, how do I do this? How do I get to a major platform? And then be able to talk to people about chiropractic in a way that no one's ever heard of before through animals. Because most people don't even realize you can work on an animal. They don't um, realize
0: it can work on people.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And if you read <laughs>
1: any of the comments, holy, wow. 13%
0: yeah. of people get adjusted. I right. I tell people ingest like uh, mostly, but 0.0025% of animals get adjusted. So
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's insane. I mean, the, the numbers are so low. And so what I want to do was create something that, that had that, that kind of power. And um, it, it was not intentional. I mean, somebody was like, hey, you should throw in your animal videos on TikTok. First, it was like, hey, you should get a TikTok. And I was like, oh, crap, what i I get myself into? And I was sitting there for, for hours scrolling. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I need a life. Yes. And somebody was like, hey, you should throw a video on there. I was like, okay, whatever. So I threw the tiger video on there. And within, I think it was like eight hours or 12 hours, it got taken down for animal abuse. Uh, Like it was flagged, animal abuse. I was like, this is stupid. And uh, it had gotten quite a few views. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know, whatever. Well, um, that video got taken down. And I was was sitting in this office and I was super irritated. I'm like, what the heck? And people are just like, ah, you you don't know what you're doing, witchcraft, whatever. And it pissed me off to the point where I, I posted another video. Someone was like, just post a new video. I was like, fine, I'm just gonna post this horse video and see what happens. <laughs> From that point on, my phone vibrated off the table with the number of like notifications I had to turn notifications off. And it was 30 something million views later. Um, you know, it was just, we were just getting hammered with with message after message after message. And then, um, which is great, but I think I told you in a, in a phone call once uh, that like, it was great, but it was also terrible at the same time because it came with it so much stress. And people started adding me on Instagram and then they were trashing my Instagram. They were trashing my Facebook. They were, they were like contacting my family. They were, they were like, so that part of it wasn't fun. Um, But I mean, I had to block people off of um, Instagram, but I mean, I had, I had death threats because I adjusted a, a horse. I had people check my Instagram and they were, they saw something they didn't like. And so they're like, you know, they would bash me or I'm also a hunter and we don't have to get into that. But um, which is, uh, which, which we totally can. It's like, so you it, have to
0: go vegan after all this is like, yeah, you're yeah, <laughs> no,
1: no, um, but there's, there's so much respect now because I do work on animals. I have a huge respect for animals. And at the same time I hunt, which basically means I don't go to the grocery store to get meat anymore. That's basically all it is instead of, I mean, I just take care of everything myself. Um, but, uh, but anyway, I got trash for it. And so with that, like popularity and all came a lot of really, really negative stuff. And so then I was, I had to kind of critique stuff and turn it around and, and uh, just make sure that I was on my A A game because I also had the entire profession on my shoulders Um, because there was so much popularity and so much, so much buzz around what we were doing. I had to make sure it was done right. And um, I, I, it it was done right. Hopefully um, to the best of my ability. I mean, like we had, we had messages from all over the world. I mean, our, 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 website so i linked our website up into my instagram or on a tiktok or something and i mean it was getting hit from people from all over different parts of the world that i like didn't realize they had internet i mean it was just it was really cool um
0: let's go back just a little bit i don't mean to cut you off
1: no you're good you're good
0: let's talk you know it's hard to have self-esteem just like as a human being just period living life But walking into a profession that's not well known on, Mm -hmm. you know, something that no one has an understanding about, and then to receive that rejection, not only from, you know, whether it be veterinarians or, you know, your competitors or anything like that, but also from like the world, just because they don't understand. I imagine that was hard to process and probably took a very big emotional toll on you because, there are days where I wake up and I'm like, it would be a lot easier if I just worked on people. I don't know why I continue mm-hmm. to work on animals. Like yeah. I, I feel like every day I have to choose animal chiropractic because there is so much rejection and I cannot even imagine what it was like once you got saddled with uh, just that publicity, mm-hmm. um, you know, around the world. So can you speak a little bit more about how you worked through that and oh, yeah. um, you know, what, what you did to combat that? Because I imagine that that was huge.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I will say that I had to have a, a really good support system, um, which I did not have. Um, like I really, really needed a good support system in that time because it was uh I mean I was constantly getting bashed and chiropractic was getting bashed. And our first defense is to jump into that and be like, no, this is why science and all this other stuff, which which if you're dealing with people that are already upset or already think that you're full of it, the, the best way instead of doing this is to ignore them, being like, watch me out of the corner of your eye and be like, watch this. And then go do something else that's awesome. And so that's kind of what I did is, um, it's like, that doesn't exist. That's a bunch of crap. And I'm like, oh, well, you should check out my other video. And I'd post another one. And the next video would show the difference a horse would have. Like, you could see it in their demeanor. You could see it in the breath they took. And then I'd be like, oh, that's not enough for you. Let's go ahead and post another one. And so it was constantly about, it was the next video, the next video, the next video. And it wasn't necessarily about popularity. This is is not about me at all. It's about the profession. But it it shows over and over and over and over again. It wasn't a single incident that I caught on camera by accident. It was over and over and over again, um, showing that there was a difference in an animal, uh, showing that any type of animal can get worked on. Um, but you're still going to have those people that don't believe in it. And it doesn't matter what you do, how much science you show them. It doesn't matter if they had their own grandma saved by chiropractic, they won't care, um, because they just don't want to believe in it. And, um,
0: let's, let's detour just a little bit, um, you know, about that because, um, I've, I actually teach at the Parker program now just as a lab professor, I'm nothing fancy, but I actually have a lot of the instructors come up to me. and They said, you are very brave. And I kind of looked at them. I said, what do you mean? And they said, posting videos of you working on social media. Like, do you have a bulletproof vest? And I yeah. looked at them. And I said, what, why would I need one? And I just think animal chiropractic has come so far in a short amount of time because it works. And with mm-hmm. the amount of resistance we've had, you know, our profession wouldn't be here if it didn't work. So right. consistently showing results you know, hopefully the research will will come along. I'm hoping that will change, but, you know, consistently showing results, even if you don't feel comfortable in your state sharing actual videos of you working before and after side by side, That doesn't lie there's no way anyone can refute that evidence so tell us a little bit more about your experience posting before and afters and how that has you know not only boosted your own confidence because they're like i helped that dog but how that has changed your public perception of what you.
1: oh for sure and i i believe in 100 i believe in chiropractic 100 percent. like this is um chiropractic is the hill i die on um meaning that like i believe in it so much that i am going to be the guy that posts the videos i am going to be the guy that pushes against the norm because of the the science, I mean, b- b- beside what we do, and we could get into COVID stuff, I'm not going to. But chiropractic, just chiropractic. That's all I'm going to say. But anyway, like with, with the animal stuff, I mean, there are, there are people that you know you should never work on an animal. I'm going to push against that, and because that, that me personally, that's what I do. Um, and yes, you are brave, especially in Texas, like posting those videos. It's awesome. And it's what is needed to help promote change because your board. Need- needs to change. Um I said that, you didn't say that. Um so I get in trouble. Um but yeah, so um posting before and afters is great. Um pictures don't really say a whole lot because pictures don't show motion. Before and afters they really need to be a consecutive before and after. If you show before and then five years later show an after, that's not gonna change much if you have consecutive before and afters. Um take as much video as you can, take as much as many pictures as you can. Pictures are great for promoting yourself. Videos speak volumes and there's always like a science behind like how long your video has to be and what you do and <laughs> these, you know, really so, terrible.
0: All things. I'm going to say is that, um, personally and professionally, it takes time to refine your craft and yeah. being a chiropractor. It working on an animal it takes a tremendous amount of skill and Mm -hmm. you have to somewhat be a ninja in order to get an adjustment in and you can't Mm -hmm. refine that in less than six months of training in my personal opinion i I feel like it takes much longer than that and through posting my stuff it it's completely not about me although it it does help my image um everything's branding now and through posting that's that stuff those videos and that content, I feel like that's actually brought more awareness and more trust. And I, you know, certainly you get haters if you will, but the veterinarians that see me on Instagram actually comment and send me messages and they say, I had no idea what you did, but seeing a video, I now trust you and respect you. I know that what you do is legitimate. So through educating about like, I am not ripping their head off. I am not slamming them with mallets in a two by four, as Dr. Enos says, I am literally pressing a joint past its uh, you know barrier. And then just a little bit past that, that is all I'm doing. It's not glamorous. It's not like, I don't think what I do is super interesting, but everyone asks me questions about it. So I don't think it's super interesting, but you know, it's very popular online. So.
1: Oh yeah. um, Well, I mean, being able to post a video it means that you're not in a back room somewhere trying to do some makeshift adjusting mm-hmm. on someone's animal. You're like, Hey, look, I'm in the open. I'm in the public eye for everyone to critique me because this is how much I believe in this. And this is how much I, or this is how good I am. Critique me as much as you want because it's out there for the public to see that, that takes, that takes guts, but it also it makes it to where people trust you more because you are putting this stuff out there. Um, and, and what I was talking about earlier with filming and stuff, you have to make sure you post good quality content because if you post these really weird videos and, and when you, you, see it all the time with human chiropractors, hi, I have this half shirtless person in my office. Let me talk to you for 30 minutes about what we're going to do with the spine yeah. and gets into science and stuff that nobody cares about. Uh, we do, but, but a lot of people are just like, okay, I'm done. And I don't know what you're doing. And so like, if you're going to post something, make sure it is good quality stuff that you can post and it actually helps somebody. It helps educate somebody and you can educate more with actions than really sometimes you can do with words. Um, so being able to do that's, I mean, huge.
0: Yeah. You have eight seconds on average to capture somebody's attention and establish rapport eight seconds. That's not a lot of time. And, you know, I personally feel like the reason I've been so successful and you've been so successful on social is because what we do and what we post is about education. It's not about, um, you know, entertainment, although it is entertaining. It's not about just a funny video it's not about here's a picture of a cat like it's strictly educational telling them here's what I do it's effective here are the results and that's it it's it's nothing super fluffy it's just straight straight to the straight to what it is so
1: I'd say with that there's a difference between posting like on Instagram or Facebook and then posting on YouTube YouTube has algorithms if you're planning on getting paid off of YouTube then do that but you have to have like three minute videos Mm -hmm. good luck I mean, you can definitely make it happen, but uh, I mean, it gets redundant and all that stuff. But but for personal people, I wouldn't jump to YouTube because somebody has to YouTube you to find your junk. Mm-hmm. Posting uh, on your on your Instagram or your Facebook or or something of that nature that is going to be whatever your state allows you to. Being able to post something like that gets it out there, puts it out there, but also having like your business page and your business page, uh, getting you know getting to know people and all that stuff. I uh, personally, I, I hired a social media person. Um, I'm not talking about a big company. I'm talking about a person that was in my office. That was a single mom that, that, um, did social media stuff for a living to per se, because she did uh, network marketing stuff, which means that she had to be really good with social media. She had to be that person that was constantly booking everybody to buy their hair products or whatever it was. And I said, you're great at social media. I want you to do my social media stuff if you don't mind. So she posts our Instagram and our Facebook and knows our office well enough to be able to do that. Being able to have good quality photos and videos and, and being able to take somebody that is great with knowing the trajectory of where social media is going and to utilize that, it's great. You can do it on your own. Just, you know, post good stuff. But yeah, I mean you're you're in the limelight. So make sure that what you're doing doesn't have any holes in it.
0: Yeah. And
1: then if you have to wear a bulletproof vest. <laughs> um, I always
0: feel like you need three people. You need someone to maintain the animal, handle them, and then a social media person taking videos of you everywhere you go. Um, So I'm waiting for a reality TV show to follow you around.
1: (laughs) Uh, Waiting or?
0: I'm sure it's going to happen eventually.
1: Like, like within the next year
0: oh gosh oh gosh i don't even want to know <laughs> hashtag tiger king right
1: yeah no not so much uh not so much but uh we were we were approached by a couple different companies
0: oh gosh, doing something. Oh, gosh. So, uh, which is gonna be really cool billy stuff that's gonna happen
1: yeah no no it's gonna be it's gonna be extremely educational so it's gonna <laughs> be about it's actually gonna be like we'll be actually stopping into texas uh you know if i get my way uh, we're going to be stopping in, in Texas to talk a local Texas chiropractor uh, oh. named Katie. <laughs> and then uh, oh, I
0: wasn't informed. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, you're being informed now. Okay, uh, well, thanks. You know, that's that's if this actually it takes off and it actually happens. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of of momentum behind what we're doing, um, and so the idea is that it is um, strictly about education. It's about showing people that you can help their your animal way before it gets worse, and so hopefully the idea is that we just educate the masses like crazy um which I'm, I'm I'm super super stoked about but yes we we will definitely be doing that because we work on all sorts of weird stuff um we had a horse yesterday I mean they were just talking about putting it down and it was like you know don't know if you can help it let's not even try it I was like if you want me to check it out we can go ahead and check it out I can tell you I'm going to help your animal and um I don't know 10 minutes later start, horse starts walking around you know not dragging its feet anymore and they're like oh, magic and I'm like I know. <laughs> I, know. I feel
0: like you should have glitter in your pockets or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, so what is your best advice? You know, I, I know Dr. Joran back from school. We actually mm-hmm. were in school together and he's kind of a fly by the seat of your pants, but he sometimes mm-hmm. has it all together and you don't know which moment you're in because he's so personable. Um But what's your best advice for new grads as they're starting out starting their animal practice and you know are trying to grow in their community and educate you know the, the masses? What is your best advice for those new grads?
1: Um, I would say be as personable as possible. So um, any opportunity to talk to somebody is an opportunity to talk to somebody. so if you're if you're still in school, what I did, um, you have to work on people. Uh, unless you're a veterinarian watching this and obviously you're working on animals. But uh, what I did is I made sure that everywhere I went, I talked to somebody about something or I talked to somebody about chiropractic. And so I remember being in a Kidoba line and seeing somebody with orthopedic shoes on. And I was like, oh, blah, blah, you, you do this, that, and the other. I say, have you ever seen a chiropractor? No, I don't believe in that. I was like, well, you believe, don't believe in chiropractic, but you believe in the orthopedic shoes that help your spine interesting and so we got to carry on conversations i made myself comfortable talking to people so definitely do that because that's what you're going to do for a living is talk to people um so i would say definitely get more personal be personal but then also own what you're doing get it get so knowledgeable in it you think you're the best thing on the face of this earth obviously don't be cocky about it but it is a it is an internal confidence that you need to be able to walk up to somebody walk up to the president of the united states and go yes i can help it fix your animal I could do it right now. If I had the opportunity, you have to get to the point where you, what I mean by that is you have to get to the point where you're okay with doing that. You have to.
0: quiet confidence goes a long way. And I a hundred percent respect that because people can sense if you're not confident in yourself and starting out, I was like that. I had no idea for some of my cases is if I was going to be able to help them, but I believed in chiropractic and I saw it through and it does, it helps 80 to 90% of the patients you touch. Mm So believe in that and hold on to that. Um, right. But the second thing I want to dive into that you said is be comfortable with the uncomfortable. I'm an introvert. I hate talking to people and I now have a podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. don't enjoy it. I'm getting better at it. But to be honest, there's some days I still I still dread talking to some of the animal owners. I'm like, I'm going to have right. to persuade them that this is going to work and that they should trust me. And I hate to say it's selling, but you do have to have confidence enough to persuade someone to continue to buy your service and your product and at the end of the day that's what we provide and that's what we need to understand is we're going to have clients that don't understand what we do we need to have so much faith and so much technique and talent that they're going to become customers for life and that's what it's all about
1: oh yeah for sure and Uh, I will say real quick on that um, real quick story because talking about confidence um, working with people I had I had a ton of confidence, and I slowly built that up with my practice. and And um, I screwed up a lot, but whenever it came to animals, um, you not having confidence w- could potentially be life or death for that animal. Because if you walk in and you're like, "Yeah, I can totally help your animal," I think I can. Yeah, yeah, I can totally do it. They're like, "Okay, I don't trust this person." One, but two, you start working on the animal, and and I actually had this happen where I was working on a dog that was paralyzed. It wasn't paralyzed. It was just in that bad down and out situation. And so I I went in and I spent too long on the animal. What I mean by that is it was one of those, I should have worked on it and then left. I will see you tomorrow. I'm going to see this animal three times a week. I'm gonna see this animal for the next three days, whatever. But I stuck around and I tried adjusting it over and over and over and not necessarily over adjusting it, but but constantly checking on it. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, this animal may not make it oh my gosh, I have to do this right. If I don't do this right, then this animal is, they're going to put this animal down, whatever. And that bled out as me not being confident that I could ever help this animal. The the next thing I did is because of that, I because of my, unco- my lack of confidence in myself, when it was time for the person to pay me, I said, no, I felt terrible. I felt terrible for the animal. I felt, felt terrible for the situation I was in. I was like, no, no, don't worry about it. Don't pay me. You can pay me on our next visit. And it became this like, don't pay me because you probably need that money because you're about to put your animal down. And that's into, that is actually what happened is they didn't have any confidence in me after that. Um, and they ended up putting their animal down. And that was my fault. Um, I, I was not being confident. So now you walk in and you're like, everything I say is definitive. Um, I walk in, hi, yes, I'm going to help your animal to what degree. I don't know, but I am going to help your animal whenever you're talking to them, This is what I'm going to do your animal is doing this your animal is going to be sore your animal is going to do this this and this everything is going to be fine we're going to work on your animal we're going to make a difference don't obviously you not, I'm not lying to them saying i'm going to make your animal 100% i'm not going to fix your animal i'm i'm helping the body heal itself and then it's i'm going to see you at this time this day whatever it costs this so much money i will see you tomorrow and that's it. it is definitive and that shows so much more confidence than the the, the because every one of everybody that's listening to this is going to have that situation at one point or another where they're like I don't know, and that is going to bleed out into them using someone else or them not trusting you and them putting their animal down. Or it's going to bleed out
0: into the animals not being uh, confident as well because horses are like that. Um, the reason I gravitate towards horses so much is because they instill in me a, a sense of inner calm. You can't be nervous or fearful around a horse because they will know and they will pick up on it because they're prey right. animals. So if you're not confident in what you do working on an animal, they will know, especially if you move without you know intent. And because right. of that, you know my my biggest thing for new grads is you need to be confident. You know it can be quiet confidence, and right. you know to start with you don't have to shout right. from the rooftops like Dr. Joran, but um, you know as you start to become more confident and you instill that sense of I know this is going to work. Uh, you know some of that comes from experience, but even if you you know have to meditate or have a mantra or whatever it is to start out with that's my best piece of advice, get comfortable with the uncomfortable and become confident. And that is going to just speak volumes in the beginning.
1: Yeah, For sure. Uh, Oh yeah. For it's, it's, it's your philosophy. Your philosophy is what is, what drives you. And if you have the philosophy that what I'm doing is making a difference, what I'm doing is going to help to some degree. I don't care how big that degree is. It is going to help. Uh, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. That is, that is the driving force behind what you do. And that is going to be what carries you through. And, um, helps the person have confidence in you, the animal. Yes. Horses. I mean, they definitely hundred percent. They know, and they're like, ah, I'm not getting touched by this person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then your are horse people. know my horse doesn't like this person. I'm not going to either. exactly um, yeah. but I mean that, yeah, that, that drives, that drives it home. And, and it's very definitive. Like I was saying, especially when it comes to this is how much it costs. This is what's going on. This is when I'm going to see them. Um, it makes you sound like you know what you're talking about and that you are the doctor that you are um and sometimes it's fake it till you make it yeah and and because you learn it as you're faking it you're like oh this is what confidence is yeah. oh I realize this is what happens and then becomes I, I
0: think it comes to when you actually start getting experience and you actually feel what they're talking about in school like I had an adjustment the other day on a horse where like I felt that c6-7 move like it, oh, yeah. it popped it shifted like I felt it and um You know, previous, I've been working out, so, you know, (laughs) being a small little thing like me, you know, I'm like, am I actually, you know, heavy enough, big enough, strong enough to actually make a horse move, you know, so to that degree, yes, and, you know, you have to, you have to work towards it, and you have to, every day, reflect on, okay, like, this is going to happen, and sometimes it takes a little time to get there, but um, you spent, I don't know. So some people spend over $200,000 in education in order to do this. So not accepting money for, you know, your time to invest in yourself and do that, I think is ridiculous. You need to be confident that you passed all those exams and, you know, are now a doctor. So. Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. Moving on, uh, kind of wrapping up here. I want to be respectful of your time. Yeah, you're good. People have, you know, we kind of went all over the place. That's just how I am, I guess. That's how I am too. I'm really bad at steering, but I'm working on that. Um, Where can people engage with you? If they have further questions, they want to learn from you, or they just want to engage, where can they find you?
1: Oh, yeah. So um, I don't know who else is going to watch this, so I may not give out my personal cell phone number. No. But uh, yeah, no. Instagram Um, or
0: Facebook's fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I would say Facebook, Instagram. Um, So you can find me at uh, Jordan Whitley um on whatever on both of them so it's j-o-r-e-n and then w-h-i-t-l-e-y um you can follow me on tiktok (laughs) (laughs) by the way tiktok does nothing for you except put it out there that you're a chiropractor but i mean it it unless you actually do something phenomenal with it 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 doesn't you no good it might i mean you can link your website to it or something and people can see your stuff and then they can travel back which increases your seo because people are checking out your website other than that I mean, it can be great, but your local stuff, your Instagram, your, your um, Facebook are going to be more localized and that's going to be, you're going to get a lot more attention from that. It's cool that some guy in India is looking at my website right now. It doesn't help me at all. Like I'm not going to work on his dog um you
0: might own the news station there and you know true. have a very expensive dog for you to work on in the future that's,
1: that's very true that's like very lion. possible but uh i would say that um speaking of really quick what you said uh earlier about am i big enough am i strong enough and all that stuff yeah. having the confidence that 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 like silent confidence of yes i can do it um i mean if somebody was like hey can you work on this elephant say, duh let's make it happen <laughs> have you ever done this before? no but let's make it happen i know how it works and i will figure it out <laughs> it, that's that's basically I mean how I walk into most stuff it's like no I don't know what I'm doing but I'm gonna find out and that's what leads into opportunities um this is why we're are,
0: friends because you're just go yeah. for it and I'm like let's think this through <laughs>
1: yeah no not me uh no someone's like hey you want to jump in that ring and with that bull and adjust it and I'm like yeah sure let's figure it oh, out you know are crazy um, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah um but anyway yeah.
0: Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I know yeah, the no a plethora of knowledge and our profession is so grateful to have somebody like you. Um, I know that you are wading into waters that have not previously been swum in. So you be careful, you be safe, and you take your best, <laughs> best with you if you need to. Uh, so yeah. again, thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Uh, this is Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic podcast, where you are going to get tips and tricks, interviews, and also coaching if you need it in order to help you be successful. Because animals need you. Spines of all shapes and sizes deserve to be adjusted. So I can't wait to have you back next week, or uh, the listeners, if you want to be back. Yeah. Thank you, Joran. Uh, but thank you so much for being here, and we'll talk again soon. Sounds like a plan.